Again, it's good to, to be with you. Thank you for sharing uh, your Father's Day with us. And we're just going to jump in because uh, we, we have quite a lot of things happening today. And so I definitely want to have time just to get into the Word here uh, for a few moments. And, you know, in, not that long ago, we were celebrating Mother's Day. And on Mother's Day, we, we talked about legacy. And today, I want to actually continue that theme because I think it's something very important. It's something that sometimes we can, I think, o- overlook um, of what that is. Like, what is the legacy we are leaving? <clears throat> Here's a story about an, an elderly contractor who was kind of at his uh, end of his, his work life, if you will, and was going to retire. And it says that an elderly master carpenter was ready to retire. He told his employer of his plans to leave the house building business and live a more leisurely life with his wife, enjoying his extended family. He would miss the paycheck, but he needed to retire. They could get by. The contractor was sorry to see his good worker go and asked if he could build just one more house as a personal favor. The carpenter said yes, but in time, it was easy to see that his heart was not in his work. He resorted to shoddy worksmanship and used inferior materials. It was an unfortunate way to end his career. When the carpenter finished his work and the builder came to inspect the house, the contractor handed the front door key to the carpenter. This is your house, he said, my gift to you. So here we have again at the end of this carpenter's run as as a master carpenter and the last thing, the last job, so to speak, and his heart was no longer in it. And unfortunately, the legacy he left was the shoddy house that he was handed the key to live in. And I think oftentimes in our life, you know, we need to be thinking about how, how do we finish well? How do we end well? Because the reality is, is as so many figures, you know, public figures, sports figures and things like that who have amazing careers, amazing lives, but it's, if they go out on like a bad note, if they do something wrong or they, they kind of get off the rails a bit, that's really what they're remembered by, isn't it? Think of Lance Armstrong, for example, right? Think of Joe Paterno, the head coach for years and years of Penn State. And, and that whole legacy is kind of washed away in a moment, isn't it, because of that, that decision, or maybe something comes forward. And so I want us today to think about a lasting legacy and how we build that, building something that will last. Again, to, to pull back from that sermon on Mother's Day, legacy we define as simply something that's passed on. And that could be something good, it could be something bad, but we are passing on, we are leaving a legacy always. And will it be good, will it be great, will it be lasting, or will it fade, or will it be bad or negative? And so today I want us to go to the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 3, and it's going to be a very familiar story, a very familiar account that we probably, most of us here, if you've been in the church for a minute, have heard. Um, it's, a, it's an amazing one, that's for sure, and I, I love it. But I think we can pull some truths out of it today, and so I want to speak, as I did on Mother's Day, again, we're going to primarily today be speaking to the, the men, to the dads, but again, this is something that applies to all of us, because we're talking about legacy and uh, beginning in Joshua chapter 3, and we're going to kind of be in Joshua 3 and chap- chapter 3 and chapter 4. And I'm going to kind of just, you know, hit some of the big parts, and then we're just going to glean some truths from it. 
And it's a very familiar scene. Again, for most of us, it's the scene where, uh, again, the children of Israel had come to the Jordan River and they're ready to pass through into the promised land. Again, a very long journey, obviously, to get to that point. And so that's the situation. That's the scene. And, you know, Moses was no longer with them at this point, And Joshua is now leading. And beginning in verse 7 of chapter 3, it says, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. And I want to stop right there at the beginning and ask you, who is exalting Joshua? <laughs> the Lord is, right? The Lord is. And I think I just I want to make this a huge exclamation point at that spot as we begin, that Joshua is not seeking to be exalted. Joshua is not seeking to for fame or fortune. He is seeking to be faithful and that the Lord is the one that is going to promote him. The Lord is the one that will exalt him. And so that is something I think we all need to be reminded of and remember. And so again, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Verse 8, and as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Verse 12. Now therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day, this gorgeous day, Lord God, that you've given us, our chance to be outside and just to be in your creation. God, we thank you, Lord, for all the fathers here today, um, and those that are, again, not even just uh, biologically fathers, but even men who, Lord, have poured into others who even aren't their children. And God, we thank you and we acknowledge and we just honor them today and we thank you that you've placed those men in our lives. And so we just pray, Lord, for this time. We pray that you would speak through your word to our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. And so we see here again this, this scene and it should be kind of reminiscent, right? If you recall when the children of Israel uh, left Egypt and they came to the Red Sea, correct? Right? It's kind of a, almost a mirror image of that, isn't it? And we see sort of that, and we, we see that connection a bit. And so they come to these waters. And, you know, as Joshua is hearing from the Lord, and he then calls the people, and he says, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. How many of you are listening this morning to what I just said? I hope everyone. <laughs> but, you know, I think we've lost really the art of listening, haven't we, in, in a lot of ways. We're always kind of in a hurry. We don't we don't really understand necessarily what it means to be a good listener. And so the first point I want to make and what I talk about is how we listen, to listen as we talk about legacy. How good of a listener are you? Here's some questions. Since you think about four times faster than a person usually talks, do you use this time to think about other things while you're keeping track of the conversation? Just keep looking at me. I don't know about you, I can fall into this. And, and maybe, you, have you ever fallen into this thing, you know, where you're kind of there and they're talking and then they say like, so what do you think? And you're like, I have no idea what you just said. 
That's happened a few times because sometimes it's just like they're saying, you know, your mind is going and you're not actually there and you're not engaged. So you're thinking about other things while the person's just talking and you're not actually listening to what they're saying. Here's another question. Do you listen primarily for facts rather than ideas when someone is speaking? Do you avoid listening to things you feel will be too difficult to understand? Can you tell from a person's appearance and delivery that there won't be anything worthwhile said? All right. Don't judge a book by its cover, right? When someone is talking to you, do you appear to be paying attention when you're not? Do certain words and phrases prejudice you so you cannot listen objectively? So if they say something that even you don't agree with, do you check out or do you stay engaged to hear what they have to say? And so you can have a full picture of who this is talking to you and where they're coming from. We talked about that a while ago, remember, when sharing the gospel, to understand that person's story, to hear where they are, and then to share. Last question, when listening, are you distracted by outside sights and sounds? (laughs) As we sit outside here with cars driving by and the birds and everything else, but I hope you're engaged. There's actually a book called this, but it's, it's a phrase to the lost art of listening. And I think we all need to come back and we all need to kind of look at ourselves. Is there, are there things that we can do to, to clean that up a little bit and to be better listeners? A gentleman by the name of Simon Sinek, I think some of you may know who he is. He does TED Talks and things like that. But he had this phrase or this, this, this statement. I thought it was really powerful. He said this. He said, listening is not the act of hearing the words spoken. It is the act of understanding the meaning behind those words. So listening is not just hearing the words like go into your ear and into your mind. It's understanding, taking the time to understand what lies behind those words. And so in this passage of scripture that we just went through, we see here that Joshua had heard, most importantly, he heard from who? God, right? The Lord. And that is a message for all of us today. When we're looking at something or a challenge that we're facing or we're going to do something, we should always be going to the Lord first and trying and saying, God, I need to hear from you. Going to his word, going to the scripture, and Lord, what do you have to say about this? Before we even go to anybody, even our most trusted person in our life, we should go to the Lord first. And that's what Joshua had done, and he heard from the Lord And then it says, and then Joshua, after telling the people to listen, as I shared earlier, he says to listen, he shares with the God, what what God had said. And so again, we see the people now, he's saying, listen to to this. Because you're not just listening to me, but I'm carrying what the Lord has said, and I want you to hear this. And so now they're listening to Joshua. And so we see the importance of that. In the Gospel of John 14, verses 25 and 26, Jesus is speaking. He says, these things I have spoken to you, <clears throat> while I am still with you. And he goes on in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so again, today we, the Lord is speaking to us. He's even speaking this morning through his word to you. And my, I want to encourage you again to, to listen to what the Lord is saying, to hear beyond just the words, but what God is saying to our hearts. And so again, A legacy and building that, a legacy that will last, begins with listening. Now let's jump back into this account in Joshua. We'll jump back in at verse 14 of chapter 3. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing 
the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. It says, now that the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So again, these are, these are high waters, and they're probably fast-moving waters. How would you like to be the priest at the front of that, right? Like you're asking me to put my foot in first. But the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Areba. The salt sea were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. And listen to verse 17. Now the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all of Israel was passing over on dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So again, we see this act of multitudes of people, multitudes of people. It mentions the army alone is like 40,000. And so, you know, there's a lot of people moving and these priests are standing there and we see this picture of this huge group of people crossing the Jordan. And so the second, again, point today, after we listen, we need to act, right? We need to do something with, with what is said. I say that often from the pulpit here. You know, you can hear a great sermon. You can say it's a great sermon, but until you put it into practice, until you actually apply it to your life and you begin to do it, you act on what you've heard, it can fall short, right? It simply is just nice words. <laughs> and so we have to act on, you know, one of my favorite movies, kinds of movies to watch are action movies. A lot of people like action movies. Why? Because we like things moving. We like that, 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 that fast pace, right? We like things happening where it's not just dialogue, but we, there's things that are moving. And so we want to become a person of action. And, and, and most of the time, or, or not most of the time, but a good way to kind of to, to work this, this direction is, is there's a few things you can do. First thing is when, when God shares something or when you hear something or even, you know, there's something that you, you decide that you want to do, one of the best ways that they have proven to make sure that happens is to write it down. How many of you are taking notes this morning? Just keep looking at me again. <laughs> You're keeping mental notes, right? You'll go back and watch it later. But that's why it's good to keep notes, whether you do it here or, or wherever. But, you know, you want to write something down. Like, what will you do with this? Write it down. All right. The second thing is to create a habit. And again, it takes repetition to build a habit, right? Good or bad. <laughs> but we can build good habits. And so, you know, we want to act on what is said. And, and so we want to create a good habit to begin. So there's a, a repetition. And lastly, and this may be the, the most challenging one, is to limit, eliminate excuses. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have a whole Rolodex. If you guys remember what one of those looked like of excuses, right? And they're good ones, right? We can have really good excuses. You know, we're taking care of our family or we're doing this or whatever, but we've got to try to eliminate some of those and we have to kind of, we have to move, at least take a step in the direction. It may not change overnight, but we need to step in the right direction. You know, again, there's something significant about writing things down and keeping things in front of us. Some of the guys around here are wearing these bracelets here, and it's simply, it has writing, all right? And there's, there's four words, and one of the words is lead, right? And we've, in our discipleship class that we're doing, that, that's, that's, we've talked about that. It's lead courageously, right? It reminds, every time I look down and I see that word, I'm reminded I need to lead courageously, even when there's opposition sometimes, if I know that the God has drawn me or I believe with all my heart that God is, is saying to do this, sometimes we're called to lead when maybe 
there's, there's opposition. And so with to lead courageously. Another word is invest, right? Invest in what? Stocks? No, it's invest eternally. Invest eternally. And that's, that's so important because where our investments are going. There are some things on earth here that are good investments, but they're temporary investments, aren't they? And that's okay, that's fine, but I want us always to be thinking about, or at least I'm reminded by this bracelet, that I want to be investing in things that have an eternal weight, that have an eternal value, not just here on earth. There's two more words. There's one is reject. What, is, what am I rejecting? I'm rejecting passivity, okay? And this is a good reminder for all of us guys out there to reject passivity. It's easy to stand by and do nothing. Sometimes somebody just needs to do something, right? And so to stand up and to do something, and that's, that's a great reminder. And the last one is to accept responsibility. <laughs> accept responsibility. Again, we live in a day and time where there's, there's a lot of people that seem to try to sidestep that responsibility. And so you accept responsibility. So if, if you've made a decision and it didn't go well and there's a little bit of kickback, that's the responsibility, right? You, you, you take responsibility for that decision, and, you know, I share all these. These are all great things, these four things themselves, but they're simply words on a bracelet. They're, they're in front of me every single day, every single moment. And so I'm always brought back. My mind's always brought back, and I'm reminded to make sure I'm putting into practice all of these things. James 1.22, a very familiar passage. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Again, to be doers, to put into practice. And so, again, Scripture reminds us that we have to be a people of action. Amen? We have to be people of action. There's a great book out there. It's called Just Do Something. <laughs> and the, the writer, I think it's Kevin DeYoung is the, the, the author, but he's just talking about how people will sit around most of their life praying about what God might have them to do and never actually do anything. And so he's saying at some point, there's sometimes you just need to do something and God can, he'll, he'll lead you. Right, I, always, I love the analogy of that ship right in the water. And when that ship is standing still, you can go in and you can spin that rudder any which direction you want, and that ship is not going to move anywhere. But if the ship is moving forward, then you can steer. And that's really how it is for us, right? When we, when we, are, we are doing something, we're taking action. When we are moving, God can steer and guide us. When we're sitting still, and don't get me wrong, there are times to pause and to pray and to consider things, but at some point we have to start moving. And so what are you doing to move forward? So again, listen, and then we act. And then we come to this third part, and I'm going to read now from chapter 4. Chapter 4, and for the sake of time, let's, let's go to verse 8, and we're going to kind of jump in there. And it says, And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. And again, so he had commanded them to, to, to identify 12 men whom he appointed, a man from each tribe, to take 12 stones, okay? And so that's kind of the scene. So at verse 8, And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded, took up the 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, the place where the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Verse 10, for the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished 
that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And so the third word I want to share with you, the third idea is to solidify, that we need to solidify our decision. We need to solidify what we're doing. Here they chose stones, again, because they were told to do that. And first, before I go into some of these points, I think we need to give a shout out to these priests here, right? Do you understand what it said? That the priests went down first and they stood there holding the ark while thousands and thousands of people were walking by. They stood in the middle of the Jordan, right? So they knew where they were supposed to be. They knew what God had told them. And so they were standing there strong while, while all of these people went through. And then they got these stones and these were not like small stones. These were stones, stones that they put on their shoulder and they carried. These were large stones. Again, I thought about us all going down to the river here and finding stones, but I thought it might be a little too much for an illustration. But these were large, not small, little tiny stones, right? These were stones. These were significant. And again, they were going to build this monument. Now, again, if you go across the country here, I mean, a lot of people actually enjoy it. They, there's monuments all around, isn't there? We can see monuments all over the place. And what if you think about what that monument is, some people drive literally a day or two days just to see a monument, a specific monument. What's the significance of that structure? What is it supposed to do? It's supposed to remind us of something, right? It's supposed to bring us back. It's supposed to take us to some significant thing or some significant person who, had, who was a part of history, and it's supposed to remind us of something so that it's not forgotten. And we see monuments all again, around our country. And here, they chose these stones to pick up. Actually, when we visited the country of Jordan, we were actually at Petra, which was not uh, by the Jordan River. But while we were walking in, you actually saw these stone piles that people would make. And so we picked out, we were five at the time, not six. And so we picked out five stones and we stacked them. And maybe they're still there, maybe they're not. But it was just neat because you saw all these like little piles of stones and you thought about that. Every one of those represented something, someone or a family or something significant as a reminder. And while we didn't know that all the stories because there was no like plaque on them or anything, we knew that there was a, something significant that had taken place there. And so that's, that's what this was to be reminded of. That's what they were doing here is to never forget this moment. And so while we may not build monuments, physical monuments of ourselves, <laughs> we're not going to build a structure, a picture of ourselves somewhere, right? While we don't do that, we must find a way for us to mark a moment so that we remember it. And we see this played out. And we, we do the same thing, so we're in good company, so to speak. But the children of Israel, right? It didn't take them long to leave Egypt, to get out in the wilderness, and what they start doing? This, right? Murmuring, complaining. It's astounding to me, right? They left Egypt, not on the run, walking out. They were even given like gold and stuff and, and lots of stuff to take with them from the Egyptians. And they get to the edge of, of the sea, right? The Red Sea. And what happens? Come on, all you Bible scholars. It's parted, right? You guys still with me? I know it's warm and nice. It's parted. They walked through on dry land into the wilderness. Now, I don't know about you, but that would seal the deal for me, right? I'd be like, okay, 
And then, I mean, not to mention there's a pillar of fire leading them, you know, by, by night and a cloud by day. All these things, I'm like, if you gave me just a fraction of that, I'm, I'm on board. We're mo all of us, most of us are on board anyway by faith. And yet it didn't take them long to forget all that and start complaining in the middle of the desert, did it? Or Moses goes, Moses goes up on the mountain and it didn't take them long to lose their minds. So again, we need something to remind us. We need something to bring us back. And I promise you, if you have lived on this earth any amount of time, God has done something significant in your life to bring you to this place today. You are not sitting here today because you made the best decisions throughout your entire life. If you think you are, we can talk, and I, I'm sure I can find one, right? Some of you are smiling, but it's true, right? We weren't always wise, as wise as we are now, were we? <laughs> we put that grace thing to the test. But God was gracious and God was loving and God has brought us here faithfully, hasn't he? So sometimes we need to be reminded to go back and to look at what God has done in the past and to know that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and so he will be faithful in the future or whatever it is we're dealing with now, amen? And so we see that we need to solidify these events John 12, 16 says his disciples did not understand these things when Jesus had been talking. And the disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. And so again, they were able to go back and they were able to remember that, oh yeah, these things had been written down somewhere, that this was going to happen. In Psalm 77, 11, it says, But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. Again, it's important for us to remember that God has been faithful throughout our lives and even generations before. He's always been faithful and will always be faithful. And some of us need to hear that today. And so again, we need to solidify these moments somehow. And my last point here, after we've listened, we've acted, and we've solidified we have come to this point where, again, these stones, why stack these stones? And we kind of understand, but this kind of unpacks it a little more in Joshua chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 and 19 through 24. It says that this may be a sign among you, all right, these stones that are stacked. And this is what Joshua says. When your children ask in the time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark and the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. In verse 19, and the people came out of the Jordan on the, the 10th day. Again, they had crossed over. All right. And they, they went into their camps. And then Joshua says to them in verse 21, when your children ask your fathers in times to come. Again, this is being repeated almost, but it's a little different. What do these stones mean? Then you shall tell your children... Uh, that, that let your children know that Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. Again, we, remem we reminded you of that, which he dried up for us until we passed over. And so that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Again, such a, such a huge point here that as you're being asked, what are these for that we remind the future generations? And so the last thing I want to share with you is to testify, to testify. We must tell others of God's faithfulness. 
And I'm not just talking about witnessing to the lost, which is important, and that's the Great Commission, and that's what we're supposed to do. But we're also to encourage our families and our church and loved ones and friends. We tell people what God has done in our lives, how he has been faithful. We share that with people. We must tell others. And this is why it's so important. Again, we see this taking place. This is what the purpose of these stones were. In Mark 5, 18 and 19, it says, as he was getting into the boat, all right, again, this is Jesus now had just healed this man that had been demon-possessed, and he was getting into this boat. As he was getting to the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him, and he did not permit it. Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Again, it is vital that we tell others of God's goodness, of God's love, of God's mercy and what he has done. Because when we do that, it, it, it brings that good news to them. It tells them about God, but also it helps keep us. It keeps things fresh in our mind, doesn't it? If you're forever telling people of God's goodness and faithfulness, you will not be quick to forget what God has done. Amen? And so as we prepare to wrap up this morning, You see, when we listen, when we act, when we solidify, when we testify, God can do great things on our behalf. And those great things are what can become a legacy for others. Amen? But we have to do and we have to trust and we have to step out into what God has done for us. An interesting note here is as, you know, again, we, we talked about when they were crossing the Jordan, how that took us back to the Red Sea and how they even mentioned it here. But if you go back and look at Joshua chapter two, when the spies had gone out into the land and looked and they were being hidden by a woman named Rahab, listen to what she says. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the Lord melt away before you. Listen to this next verse. For we have heard... How did they hear? Somebody was telling the word was traveling, right? There were not phones. There was not the internet. There was not television. Word was traveling throughout the region. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth below. So again, get this picture. The word had traveled about the Red Sea. The word had traveled about, the again, the armies that had been defeated on the way. And now get this picture in your mind. As they are crossing the Jordan, these people don't think they're not watching this take place. And they see the Jordan River, again, parted the same way the Red Sea was. And they see these people marching towards them. You want to talk about the fear of God. They're shaking. They're, again, it says their hearts had melted. There was no, nothing left because they saw that, oh my goodness, we are against the living God because he is, is the God of these people. And that is the same God that we serve today, amen? It is the same God. 
And when we testify to things and, and people see that God is doing things to our lives, they see that we serve a living God. And so, again, I want to ask you, what kind of legacy will you leave? If you can, if you're able to, if all the men here, I would love you to kind of just move up here for a minute. I want to pray with you. For those of you who can't, I know the ground's a little uneven. We're still, we're with you as well. So while this, again, this is for everybody, but I want to ask men, the men here and the men listening, the men online, what are you doing today to build something that will last? What are you doing today that will build something that will last? And if you haven't figured it out, something that will last, listen, <laughs> act, solidify and testify. We should be asking ourselves this question every time we wake up and look at ourselves in the mirror. And right before we go to bed, what have I done today to leave a lasting legacy? Before I pray for you, I'm gonna come down here. We got stones here. And I want you to take one of these. And again, if you're not up here, we'll get you guys one. And I want you to put it somewhere, that somewhere that you'll see this every day. And again, while it may not be a huge one or it may not be stacked, you know, 12 high, it still can serve as a reminder of this service today, of this moment today, of this Father's Day. and how you will live from this day forward and how you will be thinking about the legacy, good or bad, <laughs> that you might be leaving. There's nothing spiritual about these stones. There's nothing like significant really but it, it, what it should do is it should trigger a memory. It should trigger something and it should really just challenge you. I've got another jar up here for guys that couldn't get up here. We'll get you those. So I wanna pray for, for us today, for the men here today, for those watching and again, let today be something significant. Go home today, enjoy your day, enjoy the time with family, celebration, whatever it is. And I also wanted to say today, again, this is so important that we grasp this. We grasp this thought because here's the reality, especially for those of you who are fathers, whether it's physically, whether it's adopted, whether it's just how, again, maybe some child or some, somebody that you've invested your life into, this has been one of the greatest challenges and one of the greatest disservices to God is because of the horrific things that are sometimes done through fathers, through men. And when people go and they come to Christ 
and then all of a sudden they're, they're like, oh, I have a heavenly father who I'm supposed to relate to because I want to, I understand that not every dad is a great dad. <laughs> not every great father lives up to the expectations or, or lives up in, and really to, to anything. And it can, the, 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 even the name father, the title father can hold a negative connotation, can it? And we have an opportunity, we have a chance and again, whether it's our kids or, or whether it's someone else's kids, there's someone I, I know right now whose father did something horrific. And those kids are left without a dad now. And they're close enough to us, like, is there, are there ways that I can speak into them? I don't know, you know, I'm asking God about that. And so how do we carry that? How do we carry that torch? How do we change the narrative? Because again, when those people come to the Lord and, and now they're supposed to worship and praise their heavenly father, again, that comes, that can be a loaded title. And so we want to rewrite that script. Amen. And so I want to challenge all of you men today to be a part of that, to be a part of that story. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for each of these men that are standing here, those that are in the audience, those that are watching online, God, and for the significance, Lord, that, that of their roles, Lord, in the world. God, it seems that in today's time, the while the jeans get tighter, Lord God, the morals get looser. And God, we just pray again that, God, that there would be just men who would stand up and to live lives that, are, that are, are, are good and that are holy. Again, not perfect, Lord, because none of us are, but God, with you, we can walk this life out in a way that honors you, that is honoring to others, Lord God. God, I pray that we love others well. We love, again, the women that are in our lives, that are wives, Lord God. We, we love our children well. We love our neighbors well, Lord God, as your word says, Lord, that we're supposed to love you and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so, God, we thank you, Lord, that, that we will be men, men of integrity. Again, Lord, men who reject passivity, men who accept responsibility, Lord God, men who lead courageously and men who invest in eternal things. God, let us live by those principles today. And God, I pray that as we do, as we step out, as we saw today from the scripture and Joshua, and again, thinking of that first step as, as, as the people moved and as the priests, Lord God, stepped into that water, they had to step into the water before it began to move and to separate. And so God, while there may be challenges ahead of us, Lord God, let us not fear, Lord, if you've called us towards the fire to go there and to trust that you will be with us. As we think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Lord, you did not show up until they were literally in the fire. But God, then you protect them and you sustain them. And so God, we just wanna trust you with our lives. God, give us boldness, give us backbone, give us courage. God, we thank you for this day and what it marks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.